0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the chick fil Lounge. I am your host for this evening, Phil Gentile, a.k.a. the Hot Take Kid. And uh, a special segment here we're doing on the show. We're trying to get some extra content for you guys. So I handpicked some uh, individuals I want to do some interviews with from the uh, the podcasting slash wrestling world. And I have one of my favorites on the line right now, Mr. Greg Hyde. You might know him as Stat Guy Greg from uh, Cheap Heat. What's going on, Greg?
1: Oh man, your introduction was far too kind,
0: dude. I uh, I love your stuff. I'm glad you were able to make some time for me. I know you've got a super busy schedule, so we'll we'll hop right into it, man. You guys can follow Greg on Twitter if you don't already, at StackGuyGreg. And uh, he is uh, one half of the Cheap Heat podcast uh, through ESPN that does uh, weekly wrestling recaps and, and with Peter Rosenberg, another one of my favorites. How did you become involved with the show, man? Because I've been listening since the beginning, since uh, Mr. Shoemaker was on there with you guys, and you were kinda, kind of kind of an add in at the end. You were the intern almost answering questions. <laughs> I was. And um, Marco. Marco. Yeah, you were Marco. That's right. Yeah, man. How did how did that all come about? Did you know Peter from before? Or did you just were you just a wrestling fan that reached out to them? What what was the what was the background?
1: I did not know Peter from before, um, or shoemaker, or anyone that worked on their show with them. Wow. Or any of their friends. Well, I I had one mutual friend with the two of them. Um a DJ from New York who's since veered off into comedy. I know he's still DJs, but he's heavy in the comedy world right now to, uh, by the name of Cypher Sounds.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so I was friends with Cypher. And, again, huge wrestling mark. So I have obviously was already listening to Cheap Heat, just like you, going through all the eras. I remember when it wasn't even named Cheap Heat. It was just, like, had no name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, would... yeah. So that's how far back I would listen. And I was just a fan. And then one day... Um, I was listening, and it was right around the time of the Hall of Fame, and the Bushwhackers were going in, and they made a comment about the Bushwhackers being from Australia. But I was like, and I'm listening. And I'm just like, no, they're not from Australia. I believe they're from New Zealand.
0: Yeah, now, they were the sheep herders back in the day. Right. right. Yeah.
1: So Shoemaker made a comment just about them being from Australia, and you know, the level of nerd that I was back then, <laughs> it was just like all right, I, I can't take that they made this this error. So I went to social media to sort of correct them. But then it was like I would listen late because their schedule was a bit inconsistent. Some things have remained the same from the beginning because our schedule is also a little bit inconsistent. But my thing was I was going to go and basically correct them on it. But then I figured, you know, by the time I got to them, I might have been like the sixth or seventh person in line with this same comment. And so, at that point, I'm just being annoying, right? I'm just piling on. yeah. And then the light bulb went off that you know, maybe I could offer myself as uh their statistician so that when they make these mistakes and I'm catching them in real time, which I was sort of doing anyway, just listening to the podcast and noticing things on my own as a fan, I can come in at the end and then correct them so that our listeners who make it through to the end don't bombard them on social media with these uh, these corrections or what have you. So I've sort of put myself in there as the middleman. So like they can go have the discussion, be as free as they want, say what they want, and then if they slip, they don't have to worry about 10 or 15 different people coming at them with the same comment because I would have corrected it. And then if I didn't, then those people would come to me <laughs> so they wouldn't have to deal with it. And it just so happened that right around that same time, they were already looking for somebody to fill that, exact role so me asking syfe to pitch it to rosenberg uh, was sort of serendipitous and then he asked me to come in and i went and that's when i met them officially for the first time rosenberg and shoemaker i sat in i did it and they were like all right come back next week and it's been like four and a half almost five
0: years nice. of next week that's crazy, man. That is so cool. So there's um, hope for you, Marco. Yeah, I was gonna say that we basically stole that idea. If anybody listening to this does not listen to Cheap Pete, number one, you should. But I mean, we basically stole this exact same plot line for Marco because Marco is uh, one of our diehard fans, and now he's part of the show every single week as the intern and the MVP. So yeah, Marco, you've uh, you got some big shoes to fill, man. But. Uh, <laughs> How, how has it been uh, being involved with the show? I'm sure you've gotten to see a lot of cool stuff. Uh, before we get into some of the, the, the different places you've been and people you've met, what's the, what's the process for when you guys record? Uh, for us, uh, it was Sheena, now it's Marco that kind of puts a script together. We kind of chat back and forth uh, via DM and messages about what we want to talk about. Do you guys just go in? P- Peter seems like a guy who can just go off the, off the dome with stuff, but do you guys have like a loose script that you follow? What's the process every week and when do you typically record?
1: No, there's no script, and and um, I didn't think so. You, <laughs> yeah, we we tried, and you know, I'll say the script does help. It does make it easier because like there's less surprises, and we are able to fill the time. But then, you know, P has about forty different jobs, man. He's on AM radio at the number one hip hop station in in New York, uh, Hot ninety seven. Then, if now. Uh, afternoon whatever he does i don't know maybe he naps because he has to be up at like 6 a.m and yeah. go for four hours and then i'll even say mid-morning that afternoon And then at like three o'clock he jumps on the michael K show at espn so he does like an afternoon drive show and then you know he still djs uh still hosts events still parties um at one point he had a show on complex he has had multiple shows you know he was working with wwe for a little while so yeah he's a busy dude yeah, so with all of that, you know, our heart is in the right place. We try to have some type of script and things that we want to hit on, but most weeks it just ends up being um, P freestyling and me trying to keep up because I, I mean he's a pro.
0: Yeah, I mean he's all over the place, but in a good way. And 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 the script is kind of a, a gift and a curse. Uh, we have one, and we just I kind of look over it. I, I try not to look at it while we're recording, because then you're kind of like reading, and it sounds almost robotic. So I can see why not having a script and just kind of going freestyle. Uh, works for people and I mean for me I would just i would I forget what I had for breakfast this morning so I would miss something <laughs> right you know, I would miss something that happened on a, there's so many shows now to recap oh my god I mean you you know you listen to our show and by the time we're done i'm I'm still there's two or three things that we've we've forgotten to talk about so it's tough it's definitely tough to juggle um what what's the process been with you know obviously shoemaker was there while you were there then Brian Campbell uh, both of those guys moving on to other uh, other companies uh, what 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 was the process like was it was it kind of just annoying was it was it just a lot of like uh stop and starts when those guys were around and then leaving or did just the 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 show just flow no matter who was there cuz it it, yeah, didn't, no. it didn't sound like you missed a beat to me
1: yeah and thankfully you know it was because shoemaker was there when i got there right and so I feel lucky enough that I, I think that I was able to make a a, tr- a good, smooth transition in. And then the three of us developed our own sound, and it worked. And then with Shoemaker leaving and then us bringing in um, Brian Campbell, he was able to slide right in and fit, fit as a third mic sort of seamlessly. He came in and out, and then now with me and Rosenberg doing it, I think we have it so fine-tuned and, like, well oiled that it's... I mean, it's hard to put... Each era is different. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, it's special to me. Like, I I think Shoemaker and Rosenberg, them by themselves, was the best just because I was a fan and I was able to listen to it and enjoy it. But thankfully, every era has, like, its own sound, its own fan base, its own everything. But, you know, I wouldn't say... We've been lucky because you don't really feel it with the with the... You know they're all made they're all like championship teams almost
0: and and i don't I don't want to give you too much of a shine and just make you think I'm brown nosing you, but i mean you you've done a great job, man, if you don't have any kind of experience before you started doing this, I know it's been four or five years, but i mean you're 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 co hosting a major podcast for the biggest sports brand in the world. Do you ever think about that sometimes? Obviously, you have a pretty busy Day job that you know consumes most of your time, but I mean, you, you've done a great job of just like making this kind of a—I don't want to say second career—but I mean, I, I when I will listen to the show, I mean, you, you have a great fan perspective, but I mean, you you do well. You you come off sounding very intelligent. You you I mean, you seem like you know what you're doing on radio. I would have thought, you know, just listening for the first time that you've you know, you've done this your whole life. So I mean, you've you've definitely stepped in there and done well.
1: Well, I mean, first of all. Brown knows as much as you like. I'm not gonna stop that. <laughs> <laughs> do it as you do, sir. Um, <laughs> but no, I have no experience. And like I said, everything I've learned has just been from um, from watching Rosenberg and doing it with Rosenberg and Shoemaker and Campbell. Like those guys, they they have it sort of perfected, and and you can tell, right? Campbell went on; he has his own show um, that's doing well. Shoemaker, same thing, and Rosenberg. Like I said, he's all over uh, radio nationally internationally so i'm just lucky to be around those guys
0: what's been some of the the coolest experiences you've had since you've been on the show obviously you've been you know backstage and do a bunch of big high profile events and 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 who are some people maybe you've met that you didn't think were going to be as cool as they were and just turned out to be you know pretty down-to-earth awesome people
1: okay so <sighs> This is what we're here for, right? The shoot errors happening in the cheap heat like we name names, we just keep it real. I think for me the coolest person that I've met throughout all of this has definitely, I want to say has been Samoa Joe.
0: I've heard that for my friends at Jimmy Seafood here in Baltimore are big big fans. He always comes to town, gracious down to earth kind of guy. So yeah, I have I've heard that from other people as well.
1: Yeah, now he's he's very chill. Like he's just He's mad cool, like, and it's funny because his persona, um, you know, the heel, like, beat him up, bad guy, I also get the sense that that's true to, like, a side of him, but, you know, people aren't one-dimensional, right? So just as much as there's a side of Samoa Joe that will break your nose if he has to, there's also a side of him that'll, like, put his arm around you, give you advice, if he's having a drink, make sure that you're sipping too if if you're willing to partake um <laughs> laugh with you, joke with you, break bread with you and um I've been fortunate enough to to see that side of Joe, and I think he's one of the coolest to uh mark is real cool, yeah, um you know obviously Rick <laughs> Rick flair Nate
0: oh my gosh, I can only imagine Jesus.
1: R- Nate is, is like. He's everything you imagine from the promos in terms of how he's able to like walk into a room and and command it and have everybody gravitate towards him and just like you know be the beam a light at the center of the room. Uh, obviously, Brett uh, loved talking to him, loved getting to meet him. Um, so many people. Adam Cole is is absurdly cool. Like it's it's just ridiculous. Kevin Owens is is you know basically everybody I I'm trying to think I can't think of anybody who who has been like not nice or like mean to the point of turning me off of yeah. them as a fan but um I mean yeah definitely Bray Wyatt Mad Chill. Um, That's cool man. Yeah there's a lot of a lot of cool people. Sasha Banks is cool. Bayley is sweetheart. She's so nice. Um yeah charlotte
0: too oh man dude you got a rolodex of people here what what's been like the the moment like you were like is this my life right now is like when you're hanging out with like rick flair are you just thinking like what the where what am i doing like how did i get to this like it's gotta be crazy to like as a wrestling fan to like be where you are right now from just listening to a podcast right
1: yeah no nah, it's it's sort of wild like you know there was one year when you know the show ended it was after a mania, the show ended and then we sort of bolted to beat the traffic and a car was waiting for us to get us back to the hotels. Like, all right, I'll take this. This is pretty cool. You know, just go backstage, get into your waiting vehicle and then
0: oh, man.
1: Be, be whisked off, you know? Um, and even like from time to time, I go back on the network and I watch myself on Holy Foley. There's no reason I should be, on an episode of like a network show not to like toot my own horn but like this this is just things that are so surreal right yeah. you know like as a fan especially if if time travel is a thing and i could go back and tell my younger self my younger mark self watching during the attitude era or you know even the new generation era before that like yo you're going to meet bret hart and you're going to be speechless <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. or like or like you're going to you're going to be sitting at a hotel bar and like Rick Flair's going to be like a few people down regaling people with stories it's probably the same story they probably heard it before you know what <laughs> like it's it's just one of those things that like you you wouldn't you wouldn't believe
0: it's got to be crazy yeah man what yeah. what what wrestling event that you can think of that you've been to was just like i'm sure you've you've been to the last couple of Wrestlemanias is there one that sticks out that was just like and all, I mean, obviously, this last WrestleMania with with Kofi winning was an awesome moment and, and a great time. What what's been like your favorite event that you've attended with these guys during this role that you've just like just sticks out in your head?
1: My favorite is still that first uh, Takeover Brooklyn.
0: Oh man, uh, what a show that was!
1: Yeah, it was. It was my first event going as a as a member of Cheap Heat, and like the whole squad basically went. Um, I sat like third row. It was their first event uh, outside of Full Sail. Um, it was the first time I think that they did that whole like face in the crowd thing. Yeah. And Ric Flair and Oscar were the two faces in the crowd of like, all right, this is what NXT has coming up next, which I think was kind of cool. And like Sasha Banks and Bailey was on that card. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably one of the most. Easily, probably one of the best matches of the decade, and it's definitely one of the most important um, matches in terms of women's wrestling. And when you think about where they are right now, the, the, none of it happens without that match going the way it did.
0: And that ladder match, Balor and Owens. I mean, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody on that, I mean, you look down Apollo Crews, Samoa Joe, Corbin, Bailey, Sasha Banks, Balor, Owens, uh, uh, Murphy. Uh, I'm gonna skip over the vaude villains real quick, but everybody yeah. else on that card, was, you know, <laughs> it's just it's, Alexa Bliss. I mean, everybody on that card is now main, you know, main level, big time name. So it's crazy to to see where NXT has come from. Um, let's get into AEW a little bit because me and you seem to get the same knock from people on on our shows or on social media that were uh, complete haters of this brand and didn't you get a cease and desist about something from AEW? What was that? I forget for some reason. My mind is has left me.
1: I did get a cease and desist about a it was sort of an offhand comment, but AEW uh, uh, how can I describe them in a way that's not going to get us, get, get you hit with a cease and desist actually because this is your show. Um, they, so they sort of want to have it both ways, right? They want to be treated like this player at the top of the mountain, but then they don't also carry themselves that way. What do I mean by that? WWE withstands every critique and every bit of slander without um, attacking the fans. Now, yes, they definitely slander and attack the fans at large, like as a collective, as a group, of fans but WWE as far as I know like if I say something that they don't like they're not gonna come at me with a cease and desist or like a legal letter or threaten litigation and demand an apology because they're just not that sensitive because they don't have to be right but then AEW that happened and then it's like one of their first, first peak courses of action was go straight to that which I don't mind I'm an attorney anyway, so like I have to be in court. You're not gonna (laughs) it's not it doesn't bother me. It was just more of a hassle to have to like you know, the suits at ESPN and you know, different people didn't want to deal with it. Again, I didn't mind, but it's also not worth it for me to go down that road. So Yeah. Whatever.
0: No, it is yeah. what it is. But. I mean, you just said you just said like negative comments about them. I mean, is that you can get a cease and desist for 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 that? I mean, I thought so, it was.
1: So basically, it it's centered around um some business dealings.
0: Oh, okay. I never, I know it's, and exactly. Okay, like, now I remember. It's okay, just,
1: it's just false yeah. and blah blah blah, and then it's just like the same stuff Randy team.
0: Orton brought up a couple weeks ago on on Twitter. Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Right. The same the same stuff that everybody brings up. But, you know, I don't know who else got hit with those letters. I know I got one. So
0: So I I've been watching AEW. I've been to two of their events. I went to the first AEW Dynamite and I went to the pay per view here in Baltimore. And I, I you know I, if you listen to our show, I criticize the WWE when we do they do stuff that I don't like. I try to be positive, but it you know creeps in there. But when you criticize AEW, it's it's almost and I hate to compare it to this, but it's almost like the the rabid Trump fans to me that like just come out of the woodwork and like attack you like. You, you know when, when when it first started i have never i don't know about you i had never seen a young bucks match i don't watch new japan wrestling i've been a wwe fan since wrestlemania eight or nine uh i've watched wcw back during the monday night wars when i was a kid uh i never got into ring of honor or tna so i want you know i'm willing to try aew and give it a chance but when they do something that i don't like they do a stupid like battle royal, or you have a fight for a like a, a ring, like a physical ring that you put on your Correct. finger, or something stupid. The same way I, if I don't like the Bray Wyatt gimmick, when there's a red light in the ring, I'll, I'll criticize it on the show. So, but it, it just seems like you, know, you don't know what you're talking. Just people have just come out of the, they just have these this fan base, and it's great for them that they have this rabid fan base already. They've been around for you know a year or whatever. I think eleven months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just crazy, but I I know I've, there's some things about the company that I like. I think they're I think they're trying to do things differently, but I just I just don't feel like it's there. And I feel like you you have the same sentiments as me. I mean, you have the same guys. I mean, you had Cody and Jericho. Now you have Jericho and 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 Dean Ambrose. I mean, it's if you want to start a new company, I mean, you're just recycling guys that we already know. And and there's a couple young guys that I think they're Scorpio Sky is a great young talent. I think MGF is going to be a good young talent. But I I just don't think it's as different for me to make me totally say that WWE has a a serious competitor. Do you feel the same?
1: Agreed. I mean, and I don't care how people feel about this. They're they're small time, right? Like, I remember when AEW first, you know, was becoming a thing and they were grumbling what was going to happen. Everybody was like, okay. They have a billionaire, they're automatically a player, you know, WWE needs to be worried and it's just like, if a billion dollars was the secret sauce, WCW would still be around. Ring of Honor would be way bigger than it is. TNA, I'm sorry, Impact would have much more respect in and around the industry. A billion dollars is not the secret sauce. A billion dollars is not what has WWE at the top of the mountain. It's the money plus the sponsorships, the the business relationships outside of that. The fact that Vince made his billions in this one specific area versus you know TV guys or sports guys or energy guys coming in and trying to fund uh, a wrestling company. It, the, they have the greatest collection of of wrestling minds. It's much more than just a billion dollars. And to think about it that way was very short-sighted, but also like people immediately threw AEW as this this player at the top of the mountain, but then it's like you can't have it both ways. Either AEW is this credible threat and then they need to be treated like such and criticized the same way that all these other big companies are, or they're small time and they need to grow and then, then, okay, we can coddle them, but their fans want it both ways, right? When they do something great, it's like, this is a revolution. The industry is being changed and shifted and this is what it means. And then when they stumble, it's like, oh, these are growing pains. And it's like, have you arrived or are you on your way? You can't have it both ways.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, if 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 it was all about money, the Yankees would win the World Series every year. I mean, it's not yeah. it's it's the perfect analogy. It's just uh Vince McMahon is grown literally grown up, you know, he's he's an elderly man now who's been doing this literally his entire life and and also AEW it's a, just a parallel like you want to be different you want to be new but you're going to go back and use the bash of the beach and all these older WCW themes like it's just a weird like you have you have uh diamond Dallas page showing up randomly and Tully Blanchard and all these older guys. Like it's just, I I think they'll get there and I I don't want them to fail. I think it's okay to have an extra brand, but I mean, when you're losing in the ratings to the WWE's third brand, you're, you're not, you're not serious competition. I mean, maybe, maybe they get there. I don't know. I don't, I think uh, the cons will probably back out of this after two, three years. I mean, if if the numbers keep going down and down, I mean, maybe they sign some guys from WWE and make, make it a little bit more of a competition. But I mean, the ratings have been steadily declining uh, each and every single week. And I just, I just think people wanted something new and then they have something new. And then, you know, you're on social media, wrestling fans loved Seth Rollins and now they hate him. They, love, they <laughs> yep. loved AEW. They're already finding problems in the women's division and the lack of the push of guys that they like. And it's the same. It's just the same problems. It's just going to be the same thing. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I wish them all the best, but I, I don't know what's going to happen with them in the future, but, uh, I'm sure we'll get some, some hate for our comments, but you know, I just, I, I look at everything glass half full and I want to, I want to be honest with it, but let's move on to something a little more positive. You, did you collect wrestling figures as a kid? Because that's a big part of our show. Um, do you still have any, do you, do you, do you remember collecting as a kid? What, what tell, tell us your background there.
1: So. Like every proper mark, right? I had to have wrestling figures collected, and you know, uh, I listened to—I think it was the latest episode where you guys talked about that episode of uh, the toys that made us. Yeah, yeah. And it was—it was such an education, but also like a trip down memory lane, right? I had, like, I had the the um, LJN figures that didn't move at all. <laughs> well, I, I'm not—I won't say I had. Actually, I feel like I was grandfathered into that because my older brother had those. Okay. And so when he sort of aged out of it, I was like, oh, I'll take this George the Animal Steel. You know, I'll take this Fuji. I'll hold on to him. And then then they moved on to Hasbro. I had a nice little collection of the Hasbros. And then for me, Jack's Pacific was... Obviously, Mattel is the king right now. What Mattel is doing with those elite figures, uh, I love it. But for me, it was like Jack's Pacific is what started to really... Really make these figures sort of must-haves. Cause even these Mattel figures, they sort of resemble those later lines of Jack Specific's figures.
0: Yeah. With yeah, the elites. True. They're
1: doing everything that Jax was doing. And um those were the ones that like I, I love those. I even love the Toy Biz, WCW ones. And um I don't know if you remember these, but Jack Specific, like in between making the figures that we sort of see now and, like, know and love, but right after, you know, the the sort of, like, jelly ones with the metal inside of it that, like, articulated.
0: Yeah, the, cr- the you know bone crunchers. Like, yeah, the bone yeah. crunchers. Yeah.
1: yeah, the bone crunchers. So they had ones. It was called, like, R3 figures that were, like, to scale, and everything was, like, perfectly sculpted to look like do you remember these?
0: No, I didn't. I wasn't big into the Jacks. I know Sheena was, Uh but I I got out of collecting in between like Hasbro's and and now with the Mattels. But I'm looking at them up, up looking up the, at them now on the internet. They look pretty cool. Yeah, they're definitely like way more detailed than uh, yeah. they like of the Jack R3, ones. R R three. R three tech. I think it was looks like yeah. Yes,
1: R three yeah. tech. They had like different heights, and then like they even like everybody was sculpted perfectly to match their body type and they looked. And I think. Those were the precursor of what we have now. Number one, number number two, when those came out, hands down, my favorite. Nice. Now, unfortunately, my collection is it's whittled down oh, no. because of my own. You know what? Like I, I have to hold myself accountable, just like I hold everybody else. It's my own lack of foresight um, in where the the industry was going to go.
0: What'd you give them away to somebody or what? What'd I you do? I did. I oh, did. No. Did Because I
1: was going to law school, right? And I had a I had a very nice healthy collection that I that I maintained through college. I had title belts, I had different figures. At this point I was just doing like all elite, no pun intended, but I had all the elite uh Jack specific figures of like I had Bre- I had a I had a tag team division, I had I had upper main event mid I had everything and wow. then I was just like it's like you're going to you are going to law school <laughs> like you, you cannot you cannot do this this yeah. is just not you can't be that guy showing up to law school with with your little I called them toys they, they were definitely action figures but I, I turned on them I called them toys and I was like you can't go to law school with with your toys so I gave them away wow. and now here I am like Full-on lawyer with about five figures, and I'm just like, you know, I, I wish I had that deep roster of of, of talent.
0: Uh, I, so I, I, just I feel like play a lot of people them. are in the same situation, man. And like, have you have you? So, do you collect the Mattels now? Do, do you collect uh, current figures?
1: So, I'm not even going to disrespect what you do. Uh, you know what what Sheena and Marco, what you guys do, and say that I collect.
0: Why no, no no no? Under ten no figure is
1: is not a collection. No, it's not a collection. Okay. Under ten is not a collection. Let's just call it what it is. Hey. I'm not a. I'm I'm gonna call myself a hobbyist right now. I have a a few that I that I have that I've been gifted. I I purchased some. I play with them. Um, but no, absolutely not a collector. It's hey, you guys,
0: maybe you I could have been somewhere, man. You know,
1: maybe yeah. I could have been. You know, uh, maybe. But right now, it's that's not. I'm not even going to disrespect what you do.
0: Well, we appreciate you listening to us. Either way, man, I'm sure you know it's something. It sounds like something you're still interested in listening to and hearing about, which is cool. You know, <laughs> <Of course. laughs> so that's all that's all we care about. But uh, yeah, man, you got you had to start somewhere. That's uh, you know, I I uh, I've heard a lot of people that have that have gotten rid of you know years worth of of figures when you know going away to school or you know graduating and stuff, and it, it makes sense. But in, then then you, know, you get that ten years later, you get that. That that uh, fear of missing out and uh, it's it's a it's a it's a harmful thing. Um what's been your favorite match of two thousand nineteen? This is a tough one for me. I, 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 I prefaced this to you earlier via chat because I wanted you to think about it because it's 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 tough, man, and there's a lot of this has been a great year and people have been sleeping a lot of some, some of these matches from from this year, and I want to hear your take.
1: Oh man, this like you said, it's it is it's tough. To sort of choose one and narrow it down. Um Kofi Mania yeah. was a fun one to watch. Um this Adam Cole NXT run, though, you know, as much as I love Kofi Mania, I think if I had to choose, and it sounds like I do, I gotta go with. With an Adam Cole match. And I think the one that I would choose is the one in TakeOver Connecticut or wherever they were. What was Take TakeOver 25, I think.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Just the level of mage of that whole show.
0: Oh, it was so good.
1: Caught me by surprise. I, 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 I didn't want to go to Connecticut. I didn't think I would ever have wanted to have FOMO of a something that was happening in connecticut and and there i was just like everybody else just like thinking damn that's a good show and that match with him and gargano that was a great match great trilogy but i have to go with the takeover connecticut uh match
0: for some reason i don't know if you ever saw this match uh it was you probably have uh walter versus tyler Bate from uh i think that was nxt Mm -hmm. uk blackpool maybe Uh, a badass match, man. And there's been so many good ones. I'm sure over the next couple weeks on the show, we'll we'll be hitting people up and asking people their favorites. And another reason that I think it's gonna be tough for for AEW to succeed long term. I mean, NXT I feel like is just getting better. I mean, they seem to get better every year. I mean, yeah. If you aren't watching NXT, it's it's insane the amount of talent they have. And I don't think I don't think we talked about this last week. I don't think we're gonna see the purge. Like we've seen in previous years, of like the night after WrestleMania, all their you know top guys are moving up to Raw or SmackDown. I think they're going to make that brand and maybe move a Finn Balor there or somebody here. You know, six months and move them back up. But I think I feel like Baszler and Gargano and Cole. I think all those folks are going to stay down there.
1: Well, did you see what Champa said? Uh, no. On whose podcast? I think it was Lillian Garcia's. No. He said he would. Ret- he told WWE if they moved him. To Raw or SmackDown, I'm not even going to call it main roster anymore because no,
0: it's hard not to. It's like in, it's o- <laughs> in your brain. It's so. Over after Sunday, yeah.
1: That's no main. NXT is the main <laughs> is the main roster after Survivor Series. Yeah. But he told them that if they moved him to Raw or SmackDown. He was going to do six months, and then retire. Wow. He'll stay in NXT as long as they want. But if they moved him to Raw oh, <laughs> Holy SmackDown,
0: shit. I'm sure a lot of folks feel months, the same way. And
1: yeah. then he's retiring. Man, and I was just like, "Wow!"
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, that just
1: shows you where the brand is.
0: I mean, you hear that from a lot of folks down there, and it sounds like, I mean, if you're comfortable where you live, it's probably nicer because you don't have to travel as much. I mean, you record, you 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 film the show at the same place, and, and NXT goes on the road every once in a while. But I mean, damn, if you had a house in Orlando or wherever the hell they are, full sale. I mean, you're you're living good. You don't have to pay for hotel rooms and and airfare and you know traveling, being in your rental car all all year, man. It's got to be nice.
1: Yeah, and you get to see your family too, right? Oh, like,
0: yeah. oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're nice too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you you'll see in a couple years, man. Yeah, sometimes you want to get away a little bit, but you you're uh, you're getting married the same day I got married. You're getting oct- married October 6th next year. Is that right? No, no, November fourteenth. Oh, that's my birthday. I knew it was one of the two. One of the two dates. Okay, all right, cool. So <laughs> I'm getting married you, on your birthday. Yeah, that's my birthday, man. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, so you're, it's you're, you're it's just no, about, about less than a year now. So yeah, I'm sure that's been consuming a lot of time. Yeah, we're
1: ready, man. She already has her dress. She has a reception dress.
0: Oh, nice. Wow.
1: Um, I have I have yet to pick up my suit because I'm a terrible fiance, but uh, you know I got her wedding band already. It's, it's on its way um we picked out like playlists we have the venue booked um guest list booked so yeah everything everything is coming along nicely because i i've always heard and she's heard the same thing that like three months out it's like an avalanche or like a tsunami of of Wedding stuff that you have to do. So we're just trying to get as much of it done.
0: Yeah, it's a little any stuff. Little
1: crafts, yeah, all that stuff. She, well, I, I say we. She's <laughs> yeah. Definitely no. The captain of that team. Yeah. Um.
0: You just get the yes or no. You just give her like a, oh yeah, that looks great. Yeah, I like those flowers. Those all match. Good.
1: <laughs> I should. Yeah, she's definitely like, she's on it,
0: man. It's, it's a lot it's, of work, man. I mean, yeah, you got to give the ladies props that that kind of spearhead that stuff because I mean, you think of in mean, the flowers, the place settings, and the DJ and. Mm-hmm. all that stuff you know you gotta get the every cha-cha detail. slide played a couple times
1: okay. <laughs> yep every detail's like taken care of so yeah i mean props to her because i'm indecisive on top of like the stereotypical man stuff when it comes to the wedding like i'm also indecisive so i was never going to be the the right person for that role
0: um Two more questions before we get out of here, Greg. I know your your uh, time is valuable. You guys can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg, If you had, to, I asked you this question earlier today too. If you had to have uh, a non wrestling fan watch one match to explain like why you love wrestling and to get them into wrestling, what what match would that be?
1: <sighs> so, another tough tough question, and I. I think I have to take it back to that takeover Brooklyn. I think I think when we look back um, just at the state of wrestling 10, 15 years from now, there's going to be a match that we can all point to as this is the match that changed everything.
0: Let's see if I can predict what this is going to be.
1: It's one of two matches, just based on that description, right? Yeah. It's either going to be... Well, actually, it's one of three. It's either going to be the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania win, Mm -hmm. right? Or it's going to be Okada Omega.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Or it's going to be Sasha Banks and Bayley.
0: Oh, my gosh. I thought of a, a fourth one that you didn't think of.
1: What's the fourth? I mean, I'm interested.
0: Stone Cold and Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13.
1: Well funny you should say that that is i have a list that of of wrestling matches i think are like the most important matches in wrestling history or whatever stone cold and bret hart from wrestlemania 13 is on the list just because of what it's done for the industry Mm -hmm. um bret hart Shawn michaels the montreal screwjob is also on that list just because in my opinion if that match doesn't happen this conversation doesn't happen right if that match doesn't happen yep Nobody cares about what's happening behind the scenes. Like, that's the match that it didn't give people a peek behind the curtain. It made people like want to rip the curtains open and find out every little detail of what's going on. Now we need to know who's eating vegan at Catering or whatever the case may be. Like we didn't care before that match. Yeah. We did not care. Um but why I chose the three that I said, I think the Daniel Bryan match was the match that sort of gave fans a level of entitlement in the product and saying that, you know, well, if we don't like this, yeah, then it yeah. can't be so. We tried it with Cena, but it was literally like a thing that we did with Cena throughout his career. Now it's with everything, every storyline. If we don't like it, it can't be so. And it's because they played with that a little bit too much. <laughs> now they sort of worked this into a shoot on that you have the power kind of thing, right? Because every one of their champions has been handpicked. Always since the beginning of time, Mm -hmm. but with Daniel Bryan, we felt like we actually had a say, even though he's also just in a long line of hand picked champions. So, you know, that changed everything in that respect. Okada Omega like blew the lid off like this indie things and just showed everybody that the indies had just as much to offer as WWE, if not more. And like it created a ripple effect that has us talking about AEW right now. And then Sasha Banks and Bayley, I put that in there just because, I mean, and I, I say this with no disrespect to the ladies, but they were definitely second tier for most of my fandom as a wrestling fan, uh, most of wrestling history. And it's not, it's not through any fault of their own. It was just like these were the roles that they were relegated to, and that match cut the head off of All of that to the point where the women main evented a WrestleMania and nobody had any legitimate arguments against. Right? They main evented Survivor Series and again nobody had any legitimate arguments against them doing it. Um, Becky Lynch is unquestionably the most popular most over wrestler right now. Man, woman, any promotion, anywhere. And it does not happen if this match doesn't sort of not just shatter the glass ceiling off for the ladies, but also take the shackles off, let them know that like they can do, we can do things that the guys can do. They've gotten ladder matches, war games, uh, elimination chambers. They got in tag team titles. They got a fully developed, um, division now with, with, you know, mid cards and everything like that because this match let everybody know that the women are here and Sasha Banks and Bailey would be the match that I choose to show, A wrestling fan because it's like everything you think you know about wrestling and what it's supposed to be is completely wiped away with that match, especially when you add the element of it being a women's match. There's not really hair pulling. It's not a cat fight. It's like a straight up skill battle between two masters and it it still holds up.
0: Yeah, make, you're making me want to go back and watch that match. It's been that was a, a very long-winded answer. No, no, it's that... good. It was a good answer. Yeah, I have one that doesn't have really the uh, significance like historically, but just if I if someone you know, as as far as a recent match, Sian uh, Almes versus Gargano from that Takeover Philadelphia is just a match I go back and watch like once a month. That is just an amazing match, and it's just like just the storytelling in the match, just you know everything that they did, just you know nonstop from. Bell to bell, but uh, that's that's a good list, man. I uh, I uh, I enjoyed all all those matches. Definitely played a part in my fandom. Um, one final question I asked every guest I've ever had on any of my podcasts: If you had one final meal, you're on death row, uh, you know, some a, a better lawyer than you, you know, get put you in jail <laughs> or something. Uh, what, what's your last meal if you could eat whatever you wanted? And I'm sure it's going to be some sort of delicious chicken.
1: Of course, and you know. No, for I, I know you guys had that Cornet conversation last week. No, this is not. That was not one of those comments. I oh, do like uh, delicious chicken.
0: Yeah, yeah, who doesn't? Come on.
1: Yeah, I mean, find me these people who don't, and I'll find you people who can't be trusted. That's how I think I, about
0: I, it. I, I am in the sorry to, to interrupt your answer, but I'm in the belief that I would prefer, if if I could only have one for the rest of my life, I would have chicken over steak. Much more versatile much more things you can do with it, and I, I don't. I don't ever get sick of chicken. I could eat grilled chicken or chicken wings every day mm-hmm. of the week.
1: It's true. I, I mean, for like a stretch of my, my my being in law school, I did. I ate bad <laughs> chicken, chicken alfredo, grilled chicken, uh, boneless chicken wings, bone-in chicken wings. <laughs> you know, <laughs> baked chicken, rotisserie chicken, roasted chicken. You know, I, I mean, <sighs> but. <laughs> to answer your question before I go off the deep end with all this chicken (laughs) Um, believe it or not my last meal would have to be a pasta dish I really do love I love pasta and I think a nice a nice lasagna with a good red wine like a full bodied red Mm. that pairs well with the lasagna and you know a perfectly toasted bruschetta on the side with with some olive oil to sort of drizzle on top of that. I'd go out like that.
0: That's a good answer, man. Very good answer. Wow. Cool. Well, you guys, I got to eat now. Yeah, I know, man. I want to watch some wrestling and eat some pasta now. (laughs) Pasta for me is like one of those things. Like, I don't ever think of it how good it is until you go to like a really like legit Italian place and order something. It's like, oh my god, why don't I eat this all the time? It's just like Mm -hmm. it's hard to find. Like, you know, you can get some crappy pasta at home, but it's just on on another level when you go to like a real deal Italian place and make it, you know, or have them make it for you. So. Uh, yeah,
1: especially like somebody's Italian grandmother coming through oh with man. the. <sighs> I mean, does, does it doesn't beat it. Only thing that beats that is delicious chicken. I said it.
0: You can uh, you can listen to his podcast. It's Cheap Heat with Peter Rosenberg. Uh, you can scri- subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, they do a show every single week. If you don't listen, you you really should. Greg, thank you for taking some time out. Been a fan of Yo, yours. Thank you. No, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I'm I'm, I'm thankful we're able to uh, make our schedules work here and get get on the phone together. Yes, uh,
1: listen. I don't have fans. I have listeners. Thank you, you for listening there all this time.
0: I like that. I like, I'm gonna yeah. steal. I'm stealing that one too. Stealing it's that. True, I'm
1: just. I'm too low on the totem pole to talk about fans. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's true. That's how I feel. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. We we're doing this toy drive, and I got people like. Sending me boxes full of toys that I've never met before. Meanwhile, not a single person I know in real life has donated <laughs> shit, and I, I got people from all over the country, you know, spending hundreds of dollars for toys for kids here in Baltimore. It's pretty, it's pretty okay. awesome. What when when you, when the internet is uh, on its game? So thank you, Greg. Uh, best thank of luck with everything, sure. and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon, man.
1: Of course, we have to. We're best friends now. <laughs> yeah, I like
0: that, man. Yeah. This past 40 minutes. Yeah, 45 minutes, man. Get back to work. Come on.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man.
0: That was Greg Hyde from the Cheap Heat podcast. Uh, we've also dropped a the first episode of the Chick Foley Lounge, which I guess is the name of this now, uh, just to give you guys some extra uh, Patreon content. Then we're going to post these out to everybody uh, a week or two later. Um, our first episode was with AEW backstage announcer Chris Van Vliet, who if you don't know who he is, you should definitely follow him. He's interviewed everybody from John Cena to The Rock. Has uh, done some recent interviews with John Moxley and Cody Rhodes and a bunch of the, the big names in AEW. Uh, I was glad to have Greg on from uh, Cheap Heat. And uh, there's a couple more names that we have in the chamber here, so if you're listening to this now, stay tuned. Um, I'm trying to pick the brains of a lot of the folks that I enjoy listening to uh, that interview or do podcasts that we don't really get to hear you know their side of things uh, and it's been fun so far so thank you guys for listening thank you for our sponsors ringside collectibles uh the folks over at Chalkline, and the folks over at uh, collar and elbow brand dot com for supporting us and everything that we do and thank you to you guys the listeners that have supported us uh both uh emotionally and spiritually and financially and all that good stuff uh we appreciate you guys and uh Stay classy, Marks. We'll talk to you again soon.